The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. It's time for Breton to rejoin the party. Gather round in the shed as Chris, Kelly, Kurt, Bridget, and Joe are all back together to continue a new frontier. Breton has a little catching up to do and some news to deliver to Trillium. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Of course, find us on iTunes, Facebook, Google+, Bing, all over the place and um we don't or i don't often give enough of a shout out to podbean which is where we host our files it's been over three years now it's been a great hosting service they're the lowest price i could find and we haven't had any problems so thank you for podbean in the meantime we're getting back to our dungeon world campaign set in our um world of paradisi and we are calling this campaign a new frontier we're going to welcome back one of our regular players today, and when we get around to it, you'll hear him. But in the meantime, we'll start with this man right here to my left. This is Chris. I'm playing Uriel the Immolator. And this is Kelly. I'm playing Trillium the Druid. Hey, this is Kurt. I missed a day of recording, which I think was three sessions. I'm psyched to be back, and I am playing Breton Knobloch. He is the ranger with the wolf companion Cloud. And this is Bridget. I'm playing Lenore the Cleric. And this is Joe. I'm our Game Master as we continue in this campaign, A New Frontier. We want to do a quick recap, but that recap is going to be based on Breton rejoining the party. So those who remember from a couple of episodes ago, Breton was jailed for impersonating a noble at the stationery store in Harak. Um, After being jailed and being let out after 48 hours... Breton walks into the stinky salamander, and the uh, the others of the party, uh, Uriel, uh, Lenore, and Trillium, are sitting having their breakfast, their nice hearty breakfast at the um, at the stinky salamander at their regular table. Which is um, that regular table is the one off to the, you walk in the main doors. They're off to the left, a couple of tables over, not necessarily in a corner, but towards the side. Breton, you walk in, you turn to the left, you see him in that regular table, that chair's sitting there waiting for you. Go for it. Oh, thank the gods. It's good to see you all. Yay. 48 hours. It's good to see you. <laughs> there was it's much back. rejoicing. rejoicing. <laughs> Y'all, 48 hours with Stinky Joe. I wasn't sure I was going to survive. He smelled like rotten dire rats. I mean, it was awful. You have no idea. Thank <laughs> I love how it was Stinky Joe. Did he Joe. make you thank do you. anything? Strange. No, yeah. he just sat in the corner and smelled. But you know, thankfully, I had uh, I had Miss Halifarin there who made the made the two days a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, they might call her a woman of ill repute, but I like to think of her as a lady of the night. <laughs> She's a soiled dove. Well, uh, Mr. <laughs> Immolator, did you uh, do you know what a dirty Muriel is? No, I didn't either. But uh, Miss <laughs> Halifarin taught me over the last a two days. Dirty Muriel. <laughs> I now have it typed up, so we'll have to figure out whatever that was. We don't that know. Right. People yeah. can send in their guesses. So did yeah. I? Did I miss anything <laughs> while I was gone? Like, oh, you missed a lot. Where do we start? What? Oh uh, yes. I the thought y'all would just continues. sit around drinking ale, waiting for me to be. Uh, well, we did that too, and we, you know, mourned your. That was just like one absence. day's worth of stuff. Yeah. Did someone up? remember to feed Cloud for me? I hope. 
We just assumed he was with you in the cloud. Cloud? You had a dog? Wait, uh, where's Cloud? <laughs> um, actually, at that point, I can't. Oh gosh, I wish I could Is remember the waitress's name. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, thought, I thought we had wrote it down. I can't remember. I did. In my head, I'm thinking Thelma and Louise. But I thought it, it was like Tiffany or something. But, but you have a re- <laughs> your regular waitress who comes over to the table, welcomes Brett back. Breton, welcome. We've had Cloud in the back just eating scraps for a day. Here he is. Uh, and, of course, Cloud just jumps up and licks you all over. Awesome. Except for that Sheila one Sheila and spot. Sharon. Sheila and Sharon. So this is We're Sharon. the regular yeah. servers. Good. So, so Clou- oh, Cloud. Cloud. Oh, good, give, yeah. good tummy rub. Cloud oh. was their faithful garbage disposal for two days. <laughs> yes. I looked happy. He as was a living clam. it up then. Oh yeah, he's probably gained a few pounds. So what you missed was uh, Gerald's dead. Part of his forge was uh, somebody attempted to burn it down, and we found a hidden Wait, menagerie Gerald's of dead. crazy creatures. Gerald's yes, dead. poisoned. But on he purpose, was so, so he was murdered. He was Did murdered. we murder him? No. no it was but not, he told well, it could us have been the murdered. druid because of circumstances of his death. I spoke with <laughs> Wait, him what? after he passed. <laughs> you spoke with him after he passed? Yes. How did you do that? I have uh, an ability it's to a, speak it's with those who have died. Thing they do. It's Come not on. a cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have my notes from last time. You're not fully clean unless you're cult fully clean. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I ask what he said to you after his death? I forget. You didn't really know much. Yeah. He said a lot of... He doesn't think <sighs> Drummond had anything to do with it. Uh, whoever told the people... Because he was dead in his little apartment next to the forge. So he overheard a voice saying, like, Oh, he's gone for two weeks. You know, blah, blah, blah. No worries. But he didn't recognize that voice. He, al- he definitely also mentioned, for those who may have forgotten, he definitely also mentioned that there was a man made of stone who was in his apartment yeah, so at the time he died. We were ch- remember chasing that guy down in the cave. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Um, and then we found a hidden tunnel underneath the forge. Could have been there for thousands, hundreds of years. We don't know. Um, looks like it was uh, dwarven craftsmanship, even though the you know it's high ceilings, but still could have been crafted by dwarves. And those tunnels went, one way was out into the forest, and another way went towards the keep. And along that, we found uh, a menagerie of mythical, like, skeletal remains. It's of mythical not creatures. a menagerie. It was a perverted zoo. Yeah, it was kind of like the island of Dr. Moreau. And I missed that? <laughs> I mean, it was, Lady Halfern was Nothing nice, was alive. Not a perverted zoo. Nothing was alive. Yeah, it, it was like experiments with mythical creatures. So like wait, were breeding, they? Like a breeding kind of like. They were alive? Like or alive. No, they were all dead. They were all, yeah. Dead. This, and it's hundreds, could be thousands of years, maybe, depending on how the skeletal mm. remains go. But it was like a pristine environment, so... It could be a long time. It could be We're like forgotten say, to the ages. We'll say was, hundreds of years. Yeah, definitely, definitely forgotten forgot. to the ages. Mm. There was no disturbance did, on either section of the uh, entryway. Entry how point. did Trillium feel about these perverted dead animal creatures? I did not love it. I was going to say, as a druid, I should think not. <laughs> I did not love it. In fact, I hate it, though. Yes. Even, <laughs> even myself, who uh, thrives on pain, did not enjoy this. And was, yep. There was very, uh, there was a lot of pain and suffering in yeah, this so area. So one of the tunnel ways goes, probably leads out to the keep someplace. We don't know. We might be able to kind of guess what wood building it might be. And the other way went out to the forest, but it was uh, an unnatural. Like somebody purposely planted trees around, like a circle of trees around the entryway. And then what was it the thistle lily plant or what was it called? Yeah, um, a specific plant was yeah. on the entryway. Hmm. And what is that like plant it was do the again? Same plant. 
that was found um, like ivy growing around the columns within the uh, preparatory in the school. school. Yeah. And what is it? That do was the again? one that silences. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It silences okay. people. Yeah. So okay. the idea was, um, at least perceptually and, and conceptually, this place was meant to be kept quiet. So you guys found a place that was meant to be kept quiet. Wow. And like it may be linked to the school. Not necessarily, they, not necessarily soundproofing, but secretive. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like a shh. In other yeah, words, don't tell yeah. anyone yeah. about it. Shush. First yeah. rule of menagerie, don't talk about menagerie. <laughs> and to, to, um, to Chris's point, from, from the perspective of Uriel, it is hundreds of years old and was, as it was left, probably meant not to be discovered again. That was the idea. Right, so it was important at the time, and, and I think uh, I'll I'll do a, a, an addition to the recap as a group, and from my pers- perspective as well. The idea was this was uh, a menagerie of hybrid animals. They were trying to breed different things, like uh, can, can you breed a dragon and a grizzly bear kind of thing, right? And their magicians are trying to make this happen. There's a library of books. I think somebody maybe yeah, taken some of the yeah. books. Um, Ideas of how do we make this happen, and as we went through the menagerie, it was this path is kind of safe, this path is less safe, this path is very dangerous with the the animals that were created or the creatures that were created by the hybridization of things, and um, these are the worst of the worst. However, what we looked at was hundreds of years old, just skeletal remains of oddball creatures that were experimented with. And the, uh, from there, we said, all right, so this passage goes right underneath the main section, the keep section, the nobility section of Herak. And the other end, if you follow the other end all the way out, that led to the forest outside of town, mm-hmm. which had this plant growing around that is the hush-hush plant, keep things quiet, keep things c- secret. That was, I think, where we left it. Yep. Yeah. Did you th- see any three-armed goblins? <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, I don't think so. No. no. I don't think no there, was any there was no humanoid. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It was yeah. almost animals. All, yeah. Animals and beasts like, of, of myth. Like he said, like dragon and, and bear. Or nasty three armed goblin once. No. Corvus. Oh, no. no. Wow. <laughs> so. All right. You seem to so. be a finder of paths. <laughs> yes. uh, hmm. So. Uh, I have a better sense for what you've been doing with your time. I feel like I've missed out a bit, but uh, what's the next step? All right, here's where something I completely forgot to say off the air before we started. Um, so first, let me ask Kelly, where is Trillium from? I don't think we ever established the name of the woods that she makes her home. Oh. Um, outside of Valshond, right? Outside yeah. of Valshond. So At least nearby, within, a, I don't know, a few miles, 10 miles, 20 miles, something, not too far away. Within a few miles. Okay. Um, the name of... You're looking for a yeah, name? Yeah, the area, okay. like the, the woods. Uh, like right. the, the hundred quiet acre wood or something like that. You don't mean Falshanks Forest, do you? I don't know. Do I? Falshanks. All right. I mean, just, she? Let's I mean go it may with or that. may not be, but I just know there's some woods out that way. Falshanks Forest. I don't, don't know that Falshanks. that's where Trillium's from. Well, this is important because um, Kurt Breton heard while he was in um, in in his dungeon inter- interrogation and um, being detained that 
With Stinky Re- Joe. Recently in Valshank's Forest, I, I have to. I'm Sorry, it's Valshank's with an F. But again, I'm not assuming that's where it trains. Valshanks. Yeah, Valshanks was a great ancient wizard way back in the day, and uh, he had a cave out there that was his lair. So yeah, I don't know that that's the actual name, but people call it Valshanks Forest. Okay. okay. Uh, b- by the way, um, kind of north. I can be from there. A- Apple sounds thing, like a cool Apple place. thinks when you type Valshanks, it is Galshanks because Galshanks is. Apparently right. real. Well, in a local <laughs> dialect, he might yeah. have been Galshanks. Yeah, but <laughs> Falshanks too. And, and Falshanks <laughs> Forest. Um, oh, Breton heard while he was incarcerated that there was a hobgoblin invasion in Falshanks Forest, and they were currently trying to um, find ways to burn the forest down. What? Yeah. I have to get back on an assault <laughs> on nature. That's horrible. Uh, so. And you nailed it, by the way. That's the idea. Okay, yeah. Um, I think for Trillium, being, you know, in the bowels of Harak. (laughs) Deep. (laughs) Deep within the bowels of Harak. um, Seeing these, you know, dead mythical creatures, skeletons. It's wearing on my spirit. Yep, yep. Uh, And now I've heard news of my forest... Being invaded. Yep. The, go- the hobgoblins are laying claim to the area, and if they can't have it as is, they will burn it to the ground and take it over. <laughs> they can't have it, no one can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, they, they figure, and that Breton, this is something that... I, I'll relay this in Breton's voice, although I don't know what his voice is. What he heard in prison was that the goblin, the hobgoblins said that this is where their tribe came from. And King Grooknock of the Hobgoblins has reclaimed the area. And if he can't have it as is, they will burn it to the ground and rebuild it as a Hobgoblin kingdom. Oh. Well. Yes. And Grooknock is spelled phonetically. Okay. Grooknock? Grook. Grook. I'm going to tell you I spell it as G-R-O-O-K-N-O-C-K. Grooknock. Grooknock. Not how I spelt it at all, but I'll... Exactly. It's spelled phonetically. In any language, Hobgoblin translates phonetically. And rebuild it as a Hobgoblin kingdom. All right. Yeah. If nobody else can have it. And, and um, the, the locals in that, that came by to pass the gruel and the, the oatmeal and what have you underneath the, the, the cell bars to Breton... We're telling him, you know what? Eh, who really cares? It's outside of Valshand. It's outside of our jurisdiction. However, this guy calling himself King Grooknock says that he's just going to burn down the Falshanks forest. Eh, whatever. The only thing we really need to care, care about is if some of, the, um, you know, some of the smoke reaches our way, but that's two days away. Probably not a really big deal. Hmm. They're treating it as like people in Massachusetts caring about um, wildfires in California, kind of thing. So the people of Valshan does not do not know the uh, the properties at the magical properties that um, that Falshanks Falshanks forest I, I contains. F A L S H A N K S. Okay. F A L Shanks. I mean, we've heard 
rumors of, you know, different kind of herbs that only grow specifically near that area, but we've never been. Yes. Um, so I've tended these this forest for a long time, and there are many magical plants and herbs um, that could be, that are very powerful, that could be used against Valshand in the wrong hands. Mm. Are they the kind of herbs that are more powerful when they are um, burned? burned? Yes. <laughs> yes, because indeed. the Hobgoblins, King Grooknock, wants to burn them. Yes. By the way, recently ascended King Grooknock, the most powerful of the local Hobgoblin tribe. What's the tribe Has taken name? over. Um, now, it is the Grooknock tribe. Okay. Right. Very important that the name sticks okay. and... Um, they will no longer acknowledge any previous name they had. Although the previous name was the Fluffle Lilies. <laughs> they will no is, longer is he known as Grooknock the Usurper? <laughs> no, it is King Grooknock. That is it. Yeah. And if you disagree with that name, and you're they a hobgoblin. They let you on fire. Yes. Well, it works for me. You are set on fire. Yes. And remind me how far, I know that we had to cross many valleys and climb many peaks to get to It was a couple of days, right? It, it, was, was, how, it was like days. two days, right? Yeah, it wasn't um, yeah th- there was a couple of, of, of hard peaks that you had to get past, but um, I think it was only a few <laughs> days, yeah. Okay. So, but but well, you the go right forest, down the deep valley in the middle. We can probably the forest the is outside of Valshan, Correct. which we're in Herak, which is already a couple of days. So, so yeah. let's look at this as you traveled east to get to Herak. You traveled two days. Right. You need to travel two days back to Valshond, and then maybe another day-ish to get deep into um, Falshank's forest. forest. Okay. To, so to we the have center, traveling. the home, the, yeah. p- the place where um, Trillium has probably spent much of her Are days. we going to go there? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes, we must go there. Well stated. Definitely. Yeah. You have to get there. Sounds um, like a parallel I'm just going to hope yeah. that, that the... Uh, Lady Bellflower doesn't go into labor. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to cancel a date I made with uh, Miss Halifer and the uh, Elvish, <laughs> Elvish Lady of the Night, but I- I'm happy to do that in no order to help. dirty Muriels for you today. In order, in order to help uh, Trillium save her forest. <laughs> I'm sure you can have an alternate cultist deliver the baby, right? Well, the point was for us to be able to get into the city, the upper uh, city. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be another... <laughs> baby or another opportunity or she's yeah. she's not quite close to <laughs> delivering but she's she's, she's there very promiscuous um <laughs> bridget made a good point this is definitely we're going to uh, presumably trillium wants to get back to save her homeland homeland mm-hmm. i want to say home, home world but homeland um excuse me trillium wants to get right back there so we're going to get there as quick as we can and that will be undertaking a perilous journey. Look on the back of your basic move sheet at the special moves. And somebody who is not me, please read out Undertake a Perilous Journey. When you travel through hostile territory, choose one member of the party to act as a trailblazer. One to scout ahead and one to be quartermaster. Same character cannot have two jobs. If you don't have enough party members or choose not to assign a job, treat that job as if it had rolled a six, which is a failure. Each character of the job do Rolls plus wisdom. On 10 or higher, Quartermaster reduces the number of rations by one. Trailblaze reduces the amount of time it takes to reach your destination. And the Scout 
will spot any trouble quick enough to let you get the drop on it. 79 uh, performs the jobs expected. A number of normal rations are used. Journey takes about as long as expected. No one gets a drop on you. So we haven't been keeping track of rations. However, the way I will treat this is the person who takes the quartermaster, if they flat out fail, it will be a negative one for others moving forward as you will be hungry during the time of the trip. Because we're trying to make a rush back to save Trillium's homeland. But since we have a druid and a ranger, can we just live off the land? uh, Unless they fail, yes. I'm just saying. Right. So here's the deal. Every one of these um, undertake a perilous journey is based on uh, wisdom. Wisdom. Um, I think it... Hold on a second. I'm reading this. It Uh, says plus wisdom. Yep. So you have four people but only three tasks. Who is going to do what? Who is going to be... And I like to do it in order one at a time rather than all at the same time. Who is going to be the quartermaster? This is a person keeping track of rations as you go. So you're rushing to get... The way I'm going to treat this, by the way, is you want to make a two-day journey in one day. Two-and-a-half-day journey in one day. As quick as you can, as efficient as you can. Who's going to keep track of the food? I will. I'll be the food Uh, guy. So, uh, Uriel... Yeah, I kind of hope I fail because I eat all the food because that's what he <laughs> that does. Yeah, I would think that. Oh, yeah. seven. I got a seven. I it's see a three and a one. Yeah, two. A three and a two. Yeah, sorry, seven. So normal amount of food. All right, so seven isn't a, isn't a, isn't a failure. It is right. a, you perform your job as expected. Um, all right, so uh, during the trip, Uriel is able to hand out enough. Um, uh, you know, uh, granola bars and beef jerky and what have you to make sure everyone stays. Fruit roll-ups. Set fruit roll-ups. Roll Gushers. <laughs> you know, I could see fruit roll-ups actually being the granola bar of the fruit world. <laughs> yes. Okay. I buy that. Um, who is going to be the um, scout? The, and for me now, this is the person who is up ahead that says, if there is danger on the horizon, I am finding it before it affects everyone else. As the ranger, unless Trillium wanted to do it, I think I would do that. Yeah, I would I'm, I'm kind of just hanging back because yeah. I'm not good at any of those things. Go for it, Brett. 2d6. 2d6. Uh, plus your wisdom. 10 plus go. 111. Wow. Okay. So you along the, the way, you see during the, the approximately two-day trip, you see a hobblob, hobgoblin scout party off, off to your right, off to your left. You're able to steer the party to get around them. To make sure you're getting to the heart of the problem rather than um, skirmishing with outlying forces. Uh, and then lastly, I want to know the Trailblazer. Um, actually, is Trailblazer the one? I'm, yeah, the Trailblazer is the last one I'm going to look for. Yeah, for timing. Um, how quickly you get to the head of the problem. Who's going to do this that? This would be important to you, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so you probably know it. <laughs> we'll do that. All plus, right. I have plus two for wisdom, so... Make sure we're not um, stepping on any rainbow cohosh. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> make it go. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. Here we go. Nice. She blazes the heck out Same of that Same numbers trail. out loud. Oh, uh, so 11. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 11 is a very high number, and um, as is uh, said regularly throughout the Dungeon World uh, world, if you are able to roll 10 plus, this game is easy. You've made it easy <laughs> on yourself. So, Trillium, where is... Your home. 
within the Falshanks Forest. Because you are able to guide everyone else there directly without issue. Okay. Um, describe the home they arrive at. As in, like, where I sleep? You tell me. Okay, so um, there is a small stream that runs through a portion of the forest. Um, Fresh water. Sounds mm-hmm. lovely. Yeah. Yes. And there's a small cave um, that is beside kind of like a small waterfall, and that's where I stay. That's where I keep my stuff. Is the entrance behind the waterfall? Um, that's cool. It's off to the side, but it goes, like, it veers off to the left, so you're directly, like, underneath the waterfall. It's, it's like, large stones, and, you know, it's, like, kind of, like, where the stream runs from, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So you can't see it if you're looking at the waterfall? Not really? Actually, you can, yeah. In my head, you can. Oh, okay. But no, let's make it. So yeah, it's not let's a hidden make entrance, it, or it is a hidden entrance. Let's make it a hidden entrance. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want the. So you go behind the waterfall. You go behind like, the waterfall. Yeah, yeah to get to like behind the rocks and like the little cave where I yeah, cool. awesome. stay in. Um. Got it. What else? Do I? Is the, anything the, else? Are you taking us there? That's the thing. Sure. You're arriving. <laughs> you, are, you are arriving based on your exceptional role. You are arriving with your. I don't know if it's overstepping to say your new friends mm-hmm. at your home. The entrance to your home. Okay. Are you going to lead them over the threshold into your home? Sure. I'm sure Breton's been there before. <laughs> <laughs> He's been only to the staples. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, Trillium, your home has been um, not yet defiled by the hobgoblin menace. However, along the way, you have seen traces of the mess they've left behind. Um, More than once, you've passed a path where they've trod upon important plants in the area. <laughs> Soda you, you cans, can, cigarette butts. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Think, think of it from that perspective. You can feel that they've trod upon the, the holiness that is your nature, nature ground, that they have, they have soiled the earth, and, and, and just their individual footprints almost leaves a bad taste in your mouth, almost like taking a long, deep breath of an ashtray, mm. right? And, mm. and there, there are points along the way that you know they have ruined the earth, and it, it will take nature years to overgrow the mess they have left on the ground they have trod. Yet, they only want more. King Grucknock wants to actually burn this place to the ground if nature does not submit to his will. Damn. So you're at your home, which has not yet been defiled, but is within meters of areas that have been trod upon by filthy hobgoblin footprints. Okay. Like they've been camping around here and... They've walked through the area, they've set up camp, and by set up camp, and I'm using the air quotes... It means they've crapped nearby. Oh. These are the same people that have left these horrible, nasty caves where they stole stuff from. 
if you remember from mm-hmm. Valshan. Yeah. They stole stuff, left things in the caves, and when you went through there as a salamander, you got this whiff of, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. And mm-hmm. if salamanders can hold their breath, they did, just so they could scout out the area for the party. You're there. When you walk into your home, it's like you walk into the area that is yet untouched by the, the nastiness. Ooh, that is this is up. lovely. Yes. So I can take a deep breath. It's yeah. so peaceful here. Uh, it's nice patchouli, a little lavender. Mm. Patchouli. I'd be with that. <laughs> just a little feels, hint of incense. It just feels harmonious here. <laughs> I, c- I can understand why you like this place. It's well, a yes. potpourri of nature. I like the sound mm. of the waterfall. In yeah. The background. yeah, it's so soothing. We have to save this forest. I agree. I'm all for pain, but even I can feel that that nature is suffering here. <laughs> Hashtag I'm all for pain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for pain, but <laughs> to honor my goddess. Yeah. <laughs> now, as a curiosity, is it pain or suffering that's more important? Suffering. Okay. But pain usually goes along with it. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but mental suffering is... is oh, yeah. She's yeah. all about it. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps so you can ask the forest where we should look. That's a good point. Now, let's take a moment here. We're going to talk about how we leveled up our characters. Right. Ah. We've decided to go to level three. Um, and individually, each person chose one stat to level up which you get a plus one each time you go through a level up in Dungeon World, and an advanced move from the back of the character sheet off of the two through six. can't remember. Two through five, two through six. Two through five. five. Um, An advanced move on the character. Let's go with the person who was not here last time. Get Kurt starting off on how Breton decided to go from level two to three. How'd you do it? Sure. So I added a point to dexterity, which is my primary stat, which brings me from a 17 to an 18, which brings my modifier from a plus two to the highest plus three. And I'll make a note, like Kurt just said, that's the highest Except for any magical or special item in Dungeon World, you will never get more than a plus three to any stat. So plus three is huge. Think of it from the perspective that everything that says roll plus something, it is 2d6. And remember, on a failure is only a six minus. And if you have a plus three to your roll, the only way you fail is rolling snake eyes or a one and a two which means you are way more likely to succeed in what you wanted than to fail. So an 18 is the the pinnacle, the epitome of awesomeness within the Dungeon World system. Right, and so I had to think about it because actually my hunting and tracking type stuff as a ranger runs off of wisdom, but for combat I use a bow, so dexterity... I think so you cold shot and yeah. things like that. Well, and the reason I did that is I'm going to take my advanced move at this level. I'm going to take uh, Blot Out the Sun. When you volley, which I, I assume that counts as a bow shot. Right? Yeah. Anytime you use a volley as a basic move is the weapon has to leave your hand before hitting the target. Whether right. it be an arrow, a dagger, whatever. Right? So when I volley, when I shoot my bow, I may spend extra ammo before rolling. For each point of ammo spent, I may choose an extra target, roll once, and apply damage to all targets. So the idea here is I can do multiple shots simultaneously at multiple targets. And you made the reference when we were off the air of the 300. Right. The idea of you actually see, and again, I like to use the action movie camera angles. You see the, the turtle. Everybody 
uh, ducks under their shield as you look up in the air and a thousand arrows come in and literally blot out the sun. That's the idea of that move. As much as you can get missiles into the air, it means that you'll have a more of an effect as they hit the, the target. Right. Yeah. I think that's it. All right. Who else? Want, who's next to talk about what they did with their character, Bridget? Go ahead. All right. Um, I added one point to my wisdom to give me 17, which um, I'm planning the next level up to uh, max out. Cool. Um, at 18. And I chose uh, my advanced move of uh, divine intervention. It says when you commune, you get one hold and lose one lose hold any hold you already had spend the hold when you or an ally takes damage to call on your deity they intervene with an appropriate manifestation a sudden gust of wind lucky slip burst of light and negate the damage cool. that's cool. actually pretty cool i'm very curious when you will use that how it looks from zoraika's perspective mm. cuz that comes from your goddess of suffering Mm. How do you actually avoid damage based on suffering? I'm curious, so think about that. Okay, okay. who's next? And Chris? Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, I had a spell. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. You're, you and are I the was able to pick third level spell of hold person. Oh, sweet. So what that does. Uh, choose a person you can see until you cast a spell or leave their presence. They cannot act except to speak. This effect ends immediately if the target takes damage from any source. Neat. I expect when you use that, people will say, I hate you a lot. Mm. Probably. If the only thing they can do is talk. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Chris? Kelly? Okay, next. Chris? Uh, I upped my wisdom one point, which uh, from 15 to 16, so now I'm at a plus two. Um, although it's not one of my main skills, but I use wisdom for a couple skills, and one that I picked for a, another advanced move uses wisdom, so... It's called Moth to the Flame. When you tempt a weak mind with your inner fire, roll plus wisdom. On a 10 plus, their will is suppressed. They follow you and do as you desire, so as long as nothing startles or surprises them. 7 to 9, the effect is only strong enough to distract or confuse them. And on a miss, they become agitated and upset, and your fire having sparked their hidden desires. And as a note to those who may not remember, the Immolator is an additional class to the core rules of Dungeon World. And they're based around fire, if emulator wasn't exactly uh, obvious. But moth to the flame, essentially, to me, means they're following what you tell them. And if they don't, bad things could happen. All right. Cool. Kelly. All right. So I added um, one to my wisdom, which put me at a 17 for wisdom. So not quite at... Plus three yet. Gosh, we are developing some very wise characters, which doesn't necessarily reflect the people at the table. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we are we are a group of intelligent people. Wise, yeah, Yeah, not so much. (laughs) Go ahead. What else? All right. um, So my advanced move um, that I chose was the thing talker. Mm. Uh, You see the spirits in the sand, the sea, and the stone. You may now apply your spirit tongue, shape-shifting, and studied essence to inanimate, inanimate natural objects, plants and rocks, or creatures made thereof, as well as animals. So thing-talker forms can be exact copies or can be mobile, vaguely humanoid-shaped entities. So I'm curious, Ooh. 
Joe to Kelly, what is it you think you want to do with that? I'm not sure, but I, I think yeah. that there will be opportunity. I mean, yeah. to turn into a, a plant. I mean, that'd so be I was just thinking as something like... <laughs> a flower. In order, yeah, a potted... A potted <laughs> yeah. In, in order to protect your home, would you turn into part of the waterfall or the rocks that the waterfall flow, uh, flow over? I suppose I could. In order to... To listen to what's going on, to, to learn what the hobgoblins have in store, th- something like that. Yeah. Because it's no longer just animals anymore. It is the, the very earth that the animals tr- trot upon yep. that you can become and communicate with, yes? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like that idea. I didn't, it didn't even dawn on me, the water part. Yeah. That would, yeah. It's inanimate. That's great. I, mean, I, would yeah. con- I would consider water inanimate. Yeah. Right? something as part of that you could become a pool of water outside of your own home just to listen and see what's going on although i off i've wondered because this is a whole an old um for those familiar douglas adams hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy an old thought of um if you become water what is it like to be drunk Mm. (laughs) right yeah and 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 um the the whole point of the reference is Within one of the stories, I think it was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, I feel unpleasantly like ble- being drunk. And the question is, what's unpleasant about being drunk? And ask a glass of water. Right? Oh, yeah. So, um, if, you, if you have that connection to the earth, the water, the, the, possibly even the air, air is inanimate, hmm. maybe you could learn something about what's going on outside of just maybe the squirrel tells you or the mouse tells you what's going on. That's what I liked right. about it, because now she could speak to a plant or a rock or right. an even exactly. form. So if somebody makes a statue made of stone, she can mm-hmm. speak to it. That's oh, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So you wow, are now... You guys, you guys think so much that, further than that, I do. I'm just like, Or would oh, that even cool. include the gargoyle? You <laughs> I was, know? I was could, thinking right? that yeah. as soon as you said made of stone. I w- yeah. But does that work with magical right. animated yes. inanimate right. Does it have object? its own sentient? Maybe. Yeah, well, because it it's not inanimate anymore. Right. Right. It's animated. Yeah. So now you are, as a group, maybe um, talking about the things you've learned, the things you've experienced... Over the last several days, if not a couple of weeks, um, you've now partied, you've developed a bond with each other, not just in the game sense, but in the real sense of um, uh, definitely things like Breton uh, have developed a a, a link with Trillium between the Ranger and the Druid, and everybody has marveled with the ideas and the execution of how Lenore communicates with both the living and the dead. Um, the, 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 the way of bringing suffering and the blood of life into unlife, etc. Those big important pieces that have come together. With the Uriel just being able to create fire out of, well, frankly, nowhere. <laughs> From within himself, seeing um, Trillium able to quench that fire during the, the confrontation in the alleyway with the, the, the carriage, the wagon... Um, but the freak rainstorm that was able to put out fires and put uh, a little bit of maybe unnecessary water into the blacksmith shop. The piece of uh, uh, while Breton was in incarcerated, uh, while Breton was there uh, within the blacksmith shop of being able to pull up that trap door in the floor, getting to the menagerie, etc. 
there's a bond that's developed between these characters. You are now in the home for the first time in the home of one of the four of you. So you're in Trillium's home where she has chosen to trust you and come into her home and talk about the things you've experienced so far. Probably at the very top of Trillium's mind is this new King Grugnok, relatively new, proclaimed king of the hobgoblins in the area, who is now sitting there with flint and steel, ready to burn down everything that you have lived for, to make sure that he can lay claim to this patch of earth. Who knows what he'll call it? Maybe Hobgoblin City or some other very imaginative uh, you know, wording. He is going to take this area over. The Hobgoblins, have you, as you have heard along the way, mice have talked to you, squirrels have talked to you, groundhogs. Along the way to your home, they have said, you know, he's ready to take everything over. He wants the forest. He wants Falshank's forest to be his own. He wants to take over Valshand. He wants it to be the new kingdom, the new age of the Hobgoblin. And they're all, every small creature along the, the way to the, the visit to your home has said they're very afraid. And as you welcome um, Lenore and Breton and Uriel into your home, probably the top thing on your mind is every small creature along the way has said, please help us. Don't let us suffer the fate of the nasty, well, stinky hobgoblins. Ugh. My heart's breaking. Um, all right, so what are we thinking, guys? Does anybody have any anything that they want to do or... I have an idea of my own, but my thought is just take out King Grucknock. I mean, go to the source, take him down, and what are you know? What are they going to do then? Like we just took out your king. That's how how awesome we are. It's how bad they might just be scared enough. Like oh, I say go after the big big dog. Now goblins are easily intimidated. Hobgoblins relatively easily intimidated. They're stronger, um, more sturdy cousins of the goblins, but. Um, yeah, it is likely that if their king is usurped, that they'll follow whoever steps in next. So, I'd like to get started, like, there's a fungus. You're like, I'm making, like, just random yeah, things up. Uh, Alright, so I want to um, spread this healing fungus around the earth, um, because it it grows pretty rapidly, um, and it's immune to fire. Uh, so I want to get that, like, going. Um, How does that spread? So I'm thinking hmm, maybe some sort of uh, little bit of... Be authoritative. The druid doesn't have to think about how fungus spreads. How does it actually spread? But Kelly, the logical one, is yeah, like, hmm, yeah. technically, technically, how would this work? <laughs> now, think um, about it this way. Kelly already knows that Trillium the Druid couldn't exist. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about physics. Okay. Or biology. Or chemistry. What about birds? How does birds? it actually wor- work for Trillium? Okay. 
All right, so I'm thinking that the uh, this fungus grows on like the the edge of the stream, like on the stream edge, um, especially like in the like sunny areas. Um, so it needs both water and sunlight. It doesn't need it, but that's how it it blooms initially and then you can transplant it. So that's kind of what I want to do as we, like if we're going to travel and try to track these guys down, like as we're traveling, I want to be able to like spread this fungus. So it'll start like healing the land. Now as a fair point, they don't need to be, need to be tracked down. You've seen, um, uh, traces of hobgoblins and what have you along the way. Okay. They don't necessarily need, necessarily need to be tracked. You know where they are. Okay. Um, you could do a full frontal assault, or you could do a flanking, or you know, who, whoever, uh, or however you want to approach it. They're, they're, they are not hiding their presence whatsoever. They are there to take over, not so, there to secretively find where your weak spots are. They just want to burn the <laughs> shit. Down. Okay, right. so do we know where uh, the leader is? What's his name? You may not know where King Grooknock is, but chances are he is in the largest hobgoblin stronghold in the area. Okay. And, and if he isn't, that would just be stupid for hobgoblins. And hobgoblins okay. aren't stupid stupid, they're just stupid. Yeah. Right. right. What if we give them a taste of their own medicine, surround them with fire, burn them? I got an idea. But we they'll need to get they'll to the, suffer the much. Place. We need to get to the stronghold. What's your idea? I'm going to challenge him to, uh, you know, trial by combat to take over his thing. He's got to, you know, huh. he can't back down in front of his men. No, he wouldn't. And I'm going to, I'm going to be unarmed. I don't have any weapons. I'm just, yeah. I'm just a human, human dude. Let me. You know what? I'm going to give you guys a couple of minutes to dis- to talk about strategy while I step outside for a moment. And um, you talk about strategy, and I will be right back. You figure out how you want to handle the hobgoblins and Grooknot. And yeah, he definitely would not back down from a challenge. So that's my idea. But we need to find the stronghold and get in there, because we can't just show up to some random you know, scouting patrol and they'll just attack us. And like, We're not taking you back. Yeah. Unless well, it's I, a prisoner. I'm just thinking maybe if we do that something where they're all in their camp at night or... You know, towards the dusk when they're they're coming into their camp at the end of the day, um, you can surround whatever fortifications they have with fire. Well, if they already have fire going on in the camp, I could manipulate that to yeah. make it worse. I like the idea. I mean, both would work strategically. I think the surrounding them with fire makes sense, but and then you can just like shrink it in on them. Single like combat Fortnite. against Hobgoblin. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. I bet we could find out where they are I'm sure they'll easily. be stragglers. We need your skills to uh, keep them from escaping. <clears throat> Especially Grooknock. Group someone knock. can ask the little bluebirds where the... Well, she could ask the rocks and the trees now, too. Yeah, like where the stronghold is. Yeah. yeah. Um, animals in the area must know. Also, would Cloud have any um, friends in the forest? Any wolf friends that he'd like to sure maybe uh, gather and they could join us in the fight? I think that sounds like a plan. We could, we could just literally surround 
Yeah. Just, so there's just no escape. Just in case escape. Uriel's not able to handle the situation himself, we'll have back The up, suffering right? will be great. Zoraika will be pleased. Oh, I could totally bomb out. Yeah, it could be bad. <laughs> How do you issue a challenge to a Hobgoblin King? Uh, you just call him Nancy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dirty probably Muriel wouldn't know what Nancy <laughs> means. Um, so we're going to go for... Cloud is going to gather... Oh, yeah? Some of his wolf friends from the area at Trillium's okay. suggestion. And we are going to find out from the local animals where the stronghold is and send Uriel in to challenge the Hobgoblin King, but we're going to have backup in case it doesn't go well. Well, and then I could also, um, it, while you're negotiating, or if you, if, I don't know, I was thinking I could hold the uh, Goblin King, because I can do hold person now. <laughs> but it only works until he's damaged. Oh, yeah, but still. Yeah. I could keep him you could hold doing him and then we could just burn him at the stake. Well, then he would Well, be it does seem a bit dishonorable. I think the Uriel does. could take him straight up. I mean, he's... Yeah. As a curiosity, is Breton honorable? He is. He is, okay. He's sneaky, but honorable. I don't honorable. know if we've really gone that route yet. I, I, I was curious, okay. Yeah. He's sneaky. I'm fine with, you know, cheating to win because, I mean, these people are evil and they're doing bad things, so... We're not being friendly. It's not about a. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not the, a, I'm not sure not a match honor, between gentlemen. I'm not sure honors required with hobgoblins. <laughs> go in and throw down a gauntlet. So yeah, I basically just. Let's yeah. go with. I'm going to trigger a move. It sounds like y'all know a lot about hobgoblins. It sounds like we're going to be spouting some lore about hobgoblins. Who thinks they know the most about them? Definitely not me. Not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. A ranger would know about it's, goblins, hobgoblins. You have a better chance. Of yeah. course, the spout lore. Travel. We're heading towards intelligence here. I don't know who has the best intelligence option. Now, Lenore, uh, Bridget, didn't you just go to thirteen on intelligence? Nope, no, you told me to go to seventeen on wisdom. Well, I, I'm I, I mean, you suggested. Yeah, okay. I plus one at thirteen. Yeah, I am yeah. a flat. You're zero. winning. So it sounds like yeah, go for it, Breton. Let's All see. Right. Um, based upon the group. Uh, based upon the group, uh, who might know the most about Hobgoblins? Well, I rolled 12, I, and I like added one. It like you rolled a D6 and a D8. No, no, no. I rolled a 6 and a 6. Okay. The D8 is my damage die. Okay, I see. And that. add yeah. one for 13. All right. So I not only know everything about goblins, I know what they think and what they fantasize about late at night. Ew. <laughs> Now I'm suffering. (laughs) You know, it turns out that um, all goblins talk about is rangers. Oh. (laughs) And how they should not wear as many clothes as they currently (laughs) wear. Ew. Um, I'm definitely suffering here. (laughs) You should be loving this, You should be leveling up, then. Um, Okay, so... The the reason I said that is I want to go to the points that you guys were talking about with hobgoblins so let's go back to that chris you had mentioned something about you know hobgoblins blank uh what was it that they're not well, i i would think he would not back down from a challenge of uh okay. that you know he can't you can't look bad in front of his men but i yeah. expect him to cheat because he doesn't want to look bad in front of his men either. who else said something definitive about hobgob- hobgoblins kurt i said that they smell, they smell. Well, that's <laughs> true okay well, Bridget. I said that they would probably all be going into their camp at night. Okay, so Lenore thinks the that evening. they should head towards camp at nighttime. Mm. Okay. Um, for those listening, Kelly has stepped out for a minute, so we won't have any input from Trillium for a few. However, 
let's take that as let me try and put together based on the spout lore of we got a 10 plus right based on the spout lore of a 10 plus we're going to say that goblins not only um camp at night meaning they go into their homes their camps their tents whatever it is at nighttime granted like everybody else who's um concerned about war they keep guards but aside from that they do camp at night um their boss is always under some kind of heavy protection because he's concerned about being usurped by somebody who's on fire uh and then lastly from breton's perspective you know the right way to approach a hobgoblin camp at night or or for that matter even during the day again we're going to go based on the successful role so we'll give you a free option of at nighttime. You could go scout out the Hobgoblin camp and learn any new information. Well, I know that if we have the option, attacking from above on Hobgoblins is always effective because they never look up. <laughs> so if there's any towers up. or fences you know, or any I'll platforms. Buy that. Hob- hobgoblins <laughs> never fear attack from above. They yeah. just don't think about it. So uh, <laughs> I would want to scout out to see if it, even simple platforms or guard towers or things like that. If we could cl- like climb and come from above, we would have a surprise. You're in a forest. Trees are Trees go above right. the hobgoblins. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> also, the hobgoblins, like they're not very solitary. So they usually like pair up in twos or threes. So if we, like if we can be a little stealthy and take one or two out at a time, Agreed. then when they're left alone, they tend to uh, panic. So and hobgoblins are pretty much never found alone. At least in this particular area, they don't yep. tend to be solitary. The uh, what is now considered the Gruknak clan um, is under direct orders to never travel alone. Hmm. So all of their scouts are two or more hobgoblins. Every one of their guard posts are two or more hobgoblins. Every time they go out to grab food or firewood or anything, it is two or more of the Grooknock clan. I should have picked an easier name to say. A Grooknock clan. <laughs> there are two or more that are out to chop firewood, to gather um, small game. Now, remember, hobgoblins are bigger than goblins. They're your size. They're human-sized. And they're rough and they're tough, and they don't take any crap from, hob- from goblins, from humans, from anybody. I assume they're probably loud, too. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're a so lot we'll of, know exactly where they are. Yeah, a lot of grunts and snort sounds. Think of the big uh, green snout, almost like a pig kind of kind of. Every time they're out and about, and two of them are out there trying to find a wild boar to kill, they're the, they're making the same sounds as the boar. It's like the Gamorrean guards from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That kind of look with these husky dudes. Yeah. They're out there. They're kicking ass, and they know they can. There's no question in their mind that they can kick the ass of anything their size or smaller. As with most semi-humanoid type of things they are afraid of things that are larger than them but things that are their size or smaller they feel that they have the upper hand and typically day to day they do so they're out there they're killing woodchucks and you know if you ever get near their camp which breton wood Mm -hmm. um you can see lots of fire roasting spits that have 
things that are their size or smaller, the size of wild boar all the way down to the size of a freaking field mouse being roasted over a spit. They will kill anything that is their size or smaller, and they feel they have full superiority over those things. So they're, they're badasses as far as being bullies to their size and smaller. Uh, <laughs> and in this case, the Grugnach clan are understanding orders to never hunt alone, never guard alone, never walk alone, never urinate alone. Not that they hold each other's wee-wees. However, they are in the same place. When they go to that spot where they go to urinate or defecate, there's never more than... Um, are never fewer than two in a spot at one time. Are they like dogs where they won't relieve themselves where they sleep? Or are they just yes. nasty? Yes, they will not crap in camp. <laughs> Actually, it's a standing order from King Grugnach. No <laughs> crap in camp. be some camp. changes around here. Yes. Maybe Grugnach's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Previous management allowed them to crap where they sleep. However, Grugnach says... No crap in camp. <laughs> there are signs like that, although you can't <laughs> quite read them, and everyone seems to be written slightly different, but no they all translate camp. to the same thing. No crap in camp. Crapo no el sleepo. You know, there's all kinds of different signage around the camp. That so we're going to have to dodge their duties dodge all around their, their camp. Duties. Yes. So watch your step, folks. There are hobgoblin <laughs> landmines yeah. throughout Ugh. the area. So did you guys have Are they a, flammable? <laughs> anything's flammable. <laughs> says, <laughs> says, says the, the emulator. <laughs> anything's flammable. You just got to get the temperature up. Yep. Anything's flammable. That's a good point. Uh, I was of the mind of, uh, you know, we kind of just walk in and be like challenging you, you know. You win, you can stay. If not, you're getting out of this forest. But you guys want to have maybe a stealth thing, and then I'm saying seal or do you off the like, camp. You want to like cause chaos first, seal them in, and then we like then we yeah. So let me go with the spout lore about hobgoblins and saying that um, even if you kill the king, the next person in line may just step up and say, "Well, I can kick your ass." <laughs> So just killing the king doesn't necessarily make everyone else subservient to what you were trying to do. Right. Um, does their camp there. have any sort of fortification around it? Like a, a, a crude, lots of piles a crude, of poo. Well, besides the poo. <laughs> no. And um, the smell. Um, yes, they have guards. It, but, but is there no any kind of physical wall or anything? No. So, okay, there's nothing no. to... I was thinking it was surrounded by... Like piles of logs and now, stuff. I'll still keep going with the idea that you guys succeeded so well on your hobgoblins, quote unquote, spout lore, mm. that they have no need to build uh, palisades and you know any kind of no, structure I mean, sort around, of simply because they're going to take over this place and they're going to own it. Yeah, it's not worried about right. They're yeah, not necessarily worried about building a wall. Because they're going to own it. And if you're going to come in there when they don't want you, they're just going to kill you. It's pretty simple. What if we did something? Like if we built some or strung some sort of rope around, far enough around where they wouldn't see it. But when they go to run from the fire, they're all like clotheslined. It's hard to do. That's 
It's a, cool, it's a cool thought, though. Maybe if you could funnel them in one yeah, direction. Right, I'm just, I'm just trying to yeah, hurt you, them in one yeah, direction. Have to, yeah, that's the thing. Well, we'd have to figure out, did they pick an area that had some type of natural... Right. Or, you know, kind of like where that cave was originally. So I'll go back to the idea of you know enough about hobgoblins yeah. based on the spout lore. They're picking the central spot. The central spot just happens to be... Uh, a hill that's about 10 feet higher than the, the rest of the area. King Grooknock is going to be sitting on the highest point on that 10-foot hill. And everyone else is just going to uh, adhere to what he says. You know, go get me more this. Go get me more that. Go kill that. I want some more food. Whatever it may be. Very rudimentary compared to the humanoid stuff that you guys know. Even as... The rudimentary is a druid or a ranger which wants to live off the right. land. Although See, Brenton I'm from a city, so I'm, city, thinking, right? I'm thinking gates and fences well, I mean, and do they, palisades. Do they even have tents? Are they making makeshift lean-tos out of like branches and like leave pies? Because you know I mean? they want to own the area, they're starting to build structures between trees. Okay. So real structures as in they're chopping down trees to make logs to make other... Uh, little huts between other okay. trees. Gotcha. They'll never be at the point of what you would call wood and stone buildings, right. but they will have log cabins by the end of this if they're allowed to continue. Okay. They're getting a little fancy. Yeah. So, so we're so scouting so the camp. But they're pretty yeah. much out. They're sleeping Sorted. out in the open. That They don't have anything done yet. It's, they're sleeping yeah. out in the open on the ground, all that jazz. So as we consider what we're going to do, to get at the hobgoblins, and as Kelly rejoins us, so she can say bye. Um, Hi, we're going to end up this. <laughs> we're going to uh, wrap up this episode, and we'll continue in the next episode with how we're going to handle the hobgoblin tribe led by King Grooknock in Falshanks Forest, which is the home of uh, Trillium. We'll see how we're going to handle them as we pick up the next episode. In the meantime, we will say. Bye. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.